on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brew October, presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by Boucher Automotive, Town Bank, a Windrest Community Bank, and Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. And the pitch! Swing and a bouncer, hit to Colton Wong. He's going to throw it first. And this one is over because there was nobody at second where he thought about going with that ground ball off the bat of Orlando Arcia. But he finally took him at first to end this game. And the Brewers take game one. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. You want to talk about high drama. The former Brewer, Orlando Arcia, coming up to the plate with an opportunity to tie it. Who knows, maybe even give the Braves the lead. Instead, Josh Hader does what Josh Hader's been doing. He throws an inning without giving up a run, and the Brewers, they hang on. They find a way to knock off the Atlanta Braves today by a 2-1 score. Welcome into Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine is here. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at us at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We've got you for an extended amount of time tonight, taking you all the way till 9 o'clock. So if you want to talk about this game, talk about the Brewers, uh, come on in here. A, uh, an exclusive conversation with Josh Hader being joined by uh, Greg Matzik. going to talk with Josh Hader coming up in just a little while. We'll hear some audio uh, from the uh, media room. Uh, we expect to be joined by a Brewer or two live here on the program. So we've got a lot to get to between now and 9 o'clock. Let's bring in Jerry Augustine and Augie in the postseason doesn't matter if it's pretty, doesn't matter how it happens, doesn't nothing matters except if there is a W or an L next to your name at the end of the day. And today the Brewers get the W against the Braves and take a 1-0 series lead. You know, coming into the, the, the first game with Charlie Morton against Corbin Burns, we knew this was going to be a well-pitched game, a low-scoring ball game, and it really was. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of things that went on through the game, little plays that meant a lot to help the Brewers get that 2-1 to, to win. Okay, we are about to be joined by Adrian Hauser. He is going to put on the headset. So uh, we just have a couple minutes with him here. Uh, you can hear him. He is putting on the headsets. They're untangling the cord down there. And uh, we're going to get Adrian Hauser here in uh, just a moment or so. And uh, Adrian, can you hear us down there? Yes, I can. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us here uh, live on the program. Hey, what's that... Uh, the Brewers get a playoff uh, win today, and you get the win. What does that mean for you? Uh, it's big. You know, it's big accomplishment, first one. But, you know, glad we got the team win, and, you know, glad we were able to pull that out. Rowdy came in huge, making some great plays. And, you know, that two-run homer was big, got the crowd going. And, you know, I think everybody was just feeding off that energy tonight. Did you have a pretty good idea that you were going to pitch today? Uh, not really. We just kind of said, hey, be ready for anything. And, you know, just whenever your name's called, you might get in there. You might start a game. So, you know, I was just ready for anything. And they said, hey, how's your in the game? And, you know, off we went. Is that challenging where you're a starter and you're so used to routine, but now it's the postseason, so the routine kind of gets thrown out the window? Uh, a little bit, but luckily uh, just the way we've came up and, you know, the Brewer system and stuff, you know, my 
first couple stints in the big leagues were out of the bullpen, so I've been able to kind of like learn down there, learn from those guys, and you just know how to be ready. So, you know, I was somewhat prepared for that, but, you know, it's still after being a starter the whole season and stuff, it's still a little bit of an adjustment, but, you know, I think we're I think we're right there where we need to be. You know, Adrian, you came in a couple of times during the year and, and pitched out of bullpen, and that, that must have helped you. But today, it just seemed like you had really good command of that sinking fastball, getting those ground balls, getting ahead of hitters. That would be a big part of how you threw the ball today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that sinker's been a big pitch for me all year, and it's a big part of my repertoire. And, you know, if I'm able to command that to the both sides of the plate, you know, uh, we're working pretty good. And, you know, it just keeps guys off off balance and, you know, gets ground balls. With a pitch that good, what does it feel like when you're on the mound and you know you can basically tell the batter, hey, I'm about to throw this, and they still probably can't do much against it? Uh, you know, it's real, it gives you good confidence, you know, because if you miss with an off-speed pitch or something, you know you got a, you got a pitch in your back pocket that you know that you can throw at any point and get you a ground ball, hopefully, and, you know, get you an out and get out of the inning. What was the excitement level like uh, when, um, when Rowdy Telez hit that home run? Oh, it was amazing. You know, the whole dugout went berserk, and we're all, I mean, as soon as we hit it, we're all pointing and going nuts because we knew it was out of here. And, you know, we all, you know, took all that energy and went out and finished the game off. Hey, Adrian, thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There's uh, Adrian Hauser joining us here uh, on the program. And we you know, we didn't really know, Augie, what, what the pitching was going to look like. Freddie Peralta was up in the bullpen. That starts to put questions in your mind about, What's, what's it going to look like the rest of the series and everything? But those were some big innings from Hauser. You know, the biggest thing when you, when you have a starter come in and, and throw the ball away, Corbin Burns, Corbin Burns did for the six innings. You got to have someone that follows up and, and does all we talked so much about, about uh, Strickland, how he comes in and gets those out. But when you have a guy like Adrian Hauser that can come in a game and throw that good sinking fastball, keep the ball in the yard, you really need that. And I, I tell you, the one thing that I really like about Adrian and coming in like he did today we saw it from at his last four or five starts was the aggressiveness of pitching in the strike zone number one pitching ahead number two staying away from getting behind in the counts and number three locating that good sinking fastball he had that fastball down in the zone when he wanted to elevate it he did he threw some off-speed pitches with his breaking balls that were consistently good for strikes but it was that good sinking fastball that was his pitch today and he gave he gave this ball club two plus innings of great pitching let's grab our first phone call of the program again if you want to join us you can do so calling or texting 855-616-1620 the Acunet mortgage talk and text Line. You can tweet into the program as well at Matt Pauly on air. We'll go to uh, James in River West. Hey, James, thanks for calling. You're on WTMJ. How you doing, guys? You know, I'm going to say this. This game tonight, I'm going to say they were great, man. They were great. And I've been talking about Tillies. You know, man, that guy can field. He can pick up a ball. He knows what he's doing. He is outstanding. I'm going to tell you another thing. You know, I got one problem with this whole game, and it's only one thing. When we had that man up playing Narby, I believe it was, left-handed man, and ain't a guy on the other side of second base, and all you got to do is put that ball, all you got to do is bunt it. You got a little tap, a little something like that. Go down that third baseline, you might even have a double. But other than that, I'm going to tell you what. I am so confident right now. I am so happy. I'm on cloud nine. Awesome. 
Appreciate the phone call, uh, James. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet in at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I I think the moment that he may have been talking about was there in the sixth inning. A lot's being made of the sixth inning because Daniel Vogelback walks right there, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. comes on as a pinch runner. At that point, you have Colton Wong flying out, Willie Adamas flying out, and and Christian Yelich flying out. There's been some talk about the shift in that situation, but those are guys that you want, to me, those are guys you want swinging away. And they put the ball in play, and you've you got to look at what Colton Wong, and we, he's handled, handled the, the leadoff spot. He does a nice job of hitting the ball to all fields. He gets behind in the count with two strikes, balls all the way from him, he hits the ball the opposite way. You've got to take advantage of that. And, you know, as a situation, you get that leadoff guy on base, it gives you an opportunity. And I thought the Brewers were really in a good position in that sixth inning to put a run across. It's just that Charlie Morton was awful tough and, and made some good pitches. Yeah, Doug texts into the program. He makes the point of the uh, the one two three punch that the Brewers used tonight in Corbin Burns, Adrian Hauser, and, and Josh Hader. How many times did I say it, Augie? I wanted Adrian Hauser working out of the bullpen in this series, and we saw it today. Now, in my when I talked about it, admittedly, I was talking about it more because I thought that that sinking fastball can get you out of some jams. But we saw today, and I think the Brewers are going to be very creative in how they tr- attempt to get to the ninth inning. The goal is to get to the ninth with the lead where you can hand things off to Hader. The eighth inning is no longer just an easy thing to do now because you don't have Devin Williams. So because of that, potentially you're in a spot where you're going to try creative ways to get through the eighth, and today the creativity was Adrian Hauser. You know, we, I thought it was just a, a brilliant move to, for them to go to Hauser the way he gets that good sinking fastball. You know, and one thing we've talked about, Adrian, and I think we've talked about probably since All-Star break or maybe a little bit before that, Matt, when he gets out there, his aggressiveness, he's got a little bit of fire in him, and he's really commanding that strikes a lot. Today he had five ground balls in two innings. That's exactly what you want him to do. That's his style. Keep the ball in the ballpark in a good close game. Don't walk anybody and keep you in the ball game. And he did an excellent job. But the one thing that I've been impressed with, with Adrian Hauser, probably his last four or five starts, and then again today, is his aggressiveness. Going right after hitters. Getting ahead of hitters. Don't get behind and make them put swings on your style pitches. And he did that today and he did a nice job. The other thing to mention when it comes to Hauser, because again, I said a moment ago, he's so good when you're in a jam where you want a ground ball, but with with the Braves lineup, with as much power as they have up and down, you're in a jam every time any of those guys come up. They got six guys who hit 27 or more home runs this year. Now, I know he gave up the home run. I'm not trying to ignore that, but he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. He induces a lot of ground balls. So if you've got an Adrian Hauser, and if, you, if this goes five and you find a way to maybe use him three times in the series and you can neutralize out the power of the Atlanta Braves, that makes him a really good matchup issue for the Braves, but a, a matchup advantage for the Brewers. Part of that aggressiveness that we've talked about, Adrian Hauser, in his last few starts and even in today, is when you've got a team like Atlanta, who's got, like we've just talked about, six guys in that lineup can drive the ball out of the ballpark. Yes, you have to pitch down the zone. You have to pitch to ground balls. But one thing Adrian has been able to do, he's been able to elevate that ball and show that he'll throw that ball up in the zone. And when you can do that, stay away from getting the ball up over the middle of the plate and get that ball up in the zone just to change that eye level and then go down with that good sinker you are going to get a lot of ground balls and I thought 
Today he just did a great job. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. I'm Matt Pauley. Brewers get the win over the Braves by a 2-1 score. They take a 1-0 series lead in this best-of-five series. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. The pitch. Swing and a fly ball, center field. Back, way back. Rowdy Telez, a two-run home run. The Brewers have taken a 2-0 lead in game one of the division series. Augie Rowdy hit the living you-know-what out of that ball. I'm going to tell you, we talk about what he has done for this ball club. It's just so special. First of all, on the defensive side, we both have talked about how well he's done in the field and defensive side. But what he has done at the plate, that was a good fastball. What Morton was trying to do is trying to get in on him. He left that ball over the plate a little bit, and I'm going to tell you what. Rowdy just pulled those hands in and put a good swing, in, swing on it and just drove the ball out of the ballpark. That was magnificent. It was a really tough pitch to hit, but I'm going to tell you what. Rowdy took advantage, used those quick hands and hit the ball, pull them in and hit the ball out of the ballpark. I love stories, and I just think of the story of Rowdy Telez, where bluntly, when he was acquired, he was looked at as a guy, as a stopgap measure until Daniel Vogelback could get healthy, and he had options, so once Vogelback was back, you could throw him back at AAA. He already used his option for this year, so it wasn't even going to cost you an option for this season. It was a free option for this year, and then you had a couple more. You had club control on him. Like It almost felt like he was a project, and he's had his ups and downs. He went through a really good hot streak. He's at times been very, very cold, but with the day that he has acquired, if you sit there and tell him, hey, yo, by the way, on the first day of the playoffs, you're going to hit a two-run home run to give your team the win, and after the game, you're going to get interviewed by nine million people. Like, what? That's just what a cool turnaround for him over the course of what three months? Yeah, just a, a great story. And then he went through the injury with with his leg a little bit, and had to go to AAA. And I thought it was really, really special. He went to AAA, got some at bats in a couple of games, came right back up against the Dodgers series. What does Craig Council do? He gets him in the ball game each and every night that he's there so he can get some good at-bats and he really swung the bat well and I'll tell you what if there's a lot of great stories that we have Willie Adamas great great story a lot of different things that we can talk about this Brewer Ball Club but one of them that's very going to be very special as this this series goes along is going to be what Rowdy Tellers did tonight by getting that good fastball on the inside part of the plate out of the ballpark game to Brewers a 2-1 to one win. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Tax Line. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Let's go to Eric in Menominee Falls who's giving us a call. Hey, Eric, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I just wanted to comment on uh, Council's bullpen usage and what I think and hope he's going to be doing with the rotation. Um, so, uh, Woodruff will be able to start on regular rest, game five, need be. Um, and so that would put Burns at, I think we could run him out there with uh, one last day. And if we did that, we'd be able to use Hauser and Lauer in the bullpen the entire series, which I think would be huge, considering that um, Suter's hurt and Devin decided to break his hand. So with that being said, uh, I love that he went two with Hauser because he was, I mean, Hauser was not going to pitch tomorrow. He hasn't pitched two days in a row in, what, five years? So I really like that he did that. I left, liked that he kept him in um, and then went to Hater. So, yeah. 
Yeah, Eric, I appreciate the phone call. I I don't think he's going to pitch Burns on short rest. So I would say I don't think Burns comes back in game four. I think Burns. Now, look, I was surprised when Adrian Hauser got up, and then I was surprised when Freddie Peralta got up. So take everything I'm saying with the biggest grain of salt in the history of mankind because, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, I really don't know what the Brewers are doing with the pitching. Nobody does there. They have this thing penciled out. No, not penciled out. They've got this thing you know, really figured out all the way through. They're not going to show their hands. So I'm just trying to kind of make some guesses. So maybe Burns does come back for, for a game four. I don't think he comes back on short rest. I still think that's Eric Lauer's start. Uh, Hauser, if Peralta would have thrown one inning, or this applies to Hauser as well, but I don't think we're going to see Hauser get a start. Uh, so we'll apply this to Peralta. If Peralta would have thrown one inning today, Augie, that's essentially a side session. So you're still totally clear bringing him back for game number three, you're fine because you're still a couple days out from that. I was thinking the same thing on Hauser. He comes back out for the second inning. When he throws that second inning, it becomes more than a side session. You're probably not bringing him back to start. So I don't think Hauser is going to start uh, game number three. I still think if they want to start Peralta in game three, they absolutely can. I would not be shocked to see some type of opener situation on on uh, in game number three and eventually go to Peralta. But I still think it probably lines up for Lauer in game four. But all that being said, they could start Lauer in Game 3 and come back with that whole scenario with Peralta in Game 4. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, Eric brought up an interesting point. And I'm going to throw this back at you. When we, look, when we looked out in that bullpen in that eighth inning, you saw, you saw Freddie Peralta and Aaron Ashby. And I'll tell you what, that I think Freddie Peralta is that versatile guy that you can use out of the bullpen now. One, the most important thing is you want to win those first two games. You want to win those games at home. What about tomorrow? What if you need a guy for that one inning and you can you can use Freddie tomorrow and then give him game four and bring Lauer game three? I just think the way Freddie has been throwing the baseball, he starts the game. Usually in his starts, he gets off to a good quick start, locating the ball, got that good velocity, his good breaking ball. I think tomorrow you could see... A, Somewhat the same scenario going late in the ball game if they have an opportunity to win the ball game, and I, it's going to get interesting because when you got Eric Lauer pitching like he is, that versatility in that starting lineup changes a little bit. Where you could bring him in and get Game Three and still have Freddie for Game Four. I want to mention this because at uh, at nine oh four a.m. on Wednesday, Augie sent me a text message, and I'll read the text message. Said. Freddie in the bullpen the first two games. I said, I would not be surprised to see Freddie in the bullpen the first two games. Just a thought. I didn't respond to you, by the way, Augie. Sorry, I'm a big jerk. Uh, I, but that was the text from Augie Wednesday at 9.04 a.m. So what I'm trying to tell you is, listen to Augie, don't listen to me. No, you know what? <laughs> we have so much fun thinking through this. And that's one of the things that doing this show and talking with the fans and letting the fans call in and going through all these scenarios, that makes it so much fun. But I, I thought about it every, since the weekend. And way Freddie has been starting games, he's been dynamic in the beginning of Game. That good fastball, he's got good command of that breaking ball. Why not? You know, something happened, Devin. That changed everything. But now you got that that versatile piece in the bullpen that you can utilize, and that can be Freddie Peralta. Back to the phones. Rob is in Tosa. Hey, Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I noticed nobody mentioned that double play in the first inning, and I think that may have changed the whole complex of the game. I yeah. mean, the pitch count goes up. You know, we're behind one run. You know, what happens? 
No, you're you're 100 percent right. Thank you for the call. So at that moment, Burns is at 16 pitches, and he had yet to record an out. So you're looking at a 30 plus pitch inning potentially from Burns sure. as he's trying to get three outs. And that play is made. You save a run. You get two outs. It's no longer a problem inning. What Telez did at first base, and Augie, I don't want to steal your thunder, Brent. You said something to me earlier, which is a fantastic point. Well, you know, I, first of all, I thought Bernsey made a great pitch uh, to Elbies. He threw that good hard slider down and in, got him to chop the ball to Telez. But Telez being left-handed, catching the ball right at the base, all he doesn't have to turn. He just he was looking right where Solar was, was able to touch the base and make a throw to Navarez. Now the ball was in the dirt, and Navarez made a nice play on it. But that was a heads-up play. If there would have been a right-handed first baseman, if they would have, if they'd had Escobar there, he would have had to touch the base and spin. That time that you spin and have to make that good crisp throw is enough time for Solar maybe to score. You may you may not even make that throw. So I thought it was a heads-up play, and from the. Uh, a great call in question, I thought, was a big part of this game, a big changing point in this game. I, I think you would agree with me. Yeah, and you know what? Baseball's so funny. Baseball's so funny because when you look at the corner outfield spots, you say, okay, you can put Escobar first and Urias at third, and you get a better offensive lineup. Or you can put Telez at first and Escobar at third because you want Escobar in the lineup no matter what. But then uh, you get a better defensive lineup. And that what you just mentioned absolutely is correct. If Escobar's in there, that play is probably not getting made. And that does, as the caller said, completely change the complexion of this contest. But then all at the same time, you've got your defensive group in there, but it's your defensive first baseman. And I say that in air quotes because obviously he's got good offensive numbers, but it's your defensive first baseman that hits the home run that has yet to land. Yeah, he's done such a great job. Uh, you know, we've spoke so much about him and what he has been able to step up and do for the ball club. Uh, Rowdy's becoming a fan favorite, and you know, he's done. He's such a he's a big statured individual who, who really plays a very good first base and has good footwork, very good footwork, but I'll tell you what, I thought that today was special, that play he made. Uh, Josh Hader finished things out for the Brewers today, and uh, Hader, uh, it wasn't easy. It was not an easy ninth inning, but uh, a save is a save, and that's what Hader gets. Uh, he is uh, with our own Greg Matzik. Uh, let's go to Greg. All right, thanks, Matt. Here with Josh Hader. Get the save today. Josh, they never make it easy on you, do they, right? You face the heart of the Braves lineup. What's your approach as you take the mound there trying to protect that lead? Yeah, I mean, these guys are good. They know what they're doing. They have an approach up at the at the plate, and uh, you know, just trying to attack, get ahead in, ahead in the count, and, um, you know, just trying to uh, work my stuff. These games, you never know how they're going to go, right? It's a pitcher's duel. You, you, Corbin's able to work out of a jam in the first. Did it feel like it was just going to be this kind of game as it was settling in? Well, we know this this club's a, a really good ball club, and uh, we knew it wasn't going to be easy coming in here. And, you know, we continue to play the baseball that we know how. Um, you know, pitching continues to be dominant. Uh, Corbin was able to get out of that first inning, which was a huge momentum push for us and um, for Rowdy to, to obviously make that play in the first inning and then follow that up with a home run. That's huge. Yeah, a lot of all starters really today until it gets to you. What does it say about, you know, the mentality of this team that you take the ball whenever you're called? Yeah, I think this team is, uh, I mean, Hauser and, uh, well, Hauser was really the only one, but, um, you know, these guys are, are have been in there, which is, which is helpful, uh, but these guys are bulldogs. They know uh, what it takes. They know, uh, you know, just get out there, get outs, and give the team a chance to win. 
Gosh, i got to ask, man, how do you settle yourself, right? The crowd's going crazy. You know it's playoff baseball. It's a one-run lead. I know you've been there before, but how do you make it seem like it's nothing bigger than what it is? It's hard to do that, but, I, you know, I honestly just, just try and breathe and, and slow the game down as much as possible. So you do breathe. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, right? Yeah. Hey, what's the importance of getting one here at home, especially to start off the playoffs? I think it's huge. You know, this is a big uh, big statement for this series. Um, we got to continue to put in work and continue to win ball games. But uh, the way these fans work tonight, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely an advantage on our part. What's the rest of your night like? Just chill, man. Just chill. <laughs> You're good at that. Appreciate you, Josh. Great stuff, man. Thank you very much. That's Greg Matzik with Josh Hader. As uh, just chill. That's the plan. Just chill, man. Just he chill. He is such a great interview. He's my idol. Can I tell you that right now? He's my idol, and I I can boast about it now. I did his first interview when he came to the major leagues we were in arizona he was called up and they asked me to do an interview with him and from that day i he has just been my idol and uh what a just a good person but even a better pitcher yeah and the high drama facing orlando arcia who we know has the flair for the dramatic I am glad we are not taking, you see, they should have never gotten rid of Arcia calls right now on the program. But, you know, think about it. In that, in that, in that sequence of pitches, he knows what Arcia likes to do. What does Arcia do late in the ball game? He'll take that ball, and his first swing was like that. He likes to hit the ball the right field. He'll take weight on that ball, get it back in the plate, and hit it right field. What does Josh do? He goes, he gets him to 2-2. He throws a high fastball way, which Arcia falls off, so he knows where it, RC is going to look away. He throws him a little slider that you can't drive the other way. And he hits a little ground ball out to Colton. They end the game that way. Just a great observation by both Narvaez, Narvaez behind the plate and Josh to make a good pitch on Arcia, who really has had some success going the opposite way. 2-1, to one, Brewers get the win over the Braves to take a 1-0 series lead in the NLDS. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available for you. 855-616-1620 855-616-1620 or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We'll continue with your phone calls, your text messages, your t- tweets. We'll continue to break this thing down we got you till 9 o'clock. It's Brewers Extra Innings. We're live at American Family Field on WTMJ. 1-0 delivery. Swing and a bouncer. Hit to first. That's a fair ball to throw coming home. And they are going to get him. Ronnie Telez took that bouncer hit by Ozzy Albies right at the back. 2-1. Brewers get the win over the Atlanta Braves to take a 1-0 series lead. Welcome back in to Brewers Extra Innings. We are live at American Family Field. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine here. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Let's go to Luke in Hales Corners. Hey, Luke, thanks for calling. You're on WTMJ. Um, hi, great game, but the ice cream was a little pricey. Here at the ballpark? The custard, yeah. How much is I don't even know. How much is a, how much is an ice cream here at American Family Field? It was, it was like really expensive, like $6.50. I could barely afford it. Well, you got to tell your parents to raise your allowance. I think this is a your parents' issue. I don't think this is a brewer's issue, Luke. Yeah, what, I'm gonna have uh, to tell my parents now. Thank yeah, you. what's your parent? What, what is your parents' names? Um, 
Zach and Leanne. Okay, Zach and Leanne. Luke is obviously a very nice young man who is listening to the radio and listening to this show. So however much money you give him for uh, allowance, I want you to double it. And on a yearly basis, another ten, ten another fifteen percent added. <laughs> Luke, is, is that good? Do you like that? Yes, thank you. All Hopefully, right. my parents will do that now. All right, <laughs> thank you. Very, you bet. That was really good, Luke. I'm gonna tell you what. I am an ice cream man, and I have not had ice cream here at the ballpark. I got to go check that out. I'm an ice cream guy. I love ice cream. So I'll I'll tell you what. Like, all right, so. We I don't get stuff at the concession stands here very often. Uh-huh. Occasionally, I'll go get like a popcorn or I'll go get a pretzel or something. But when I'm eating, I'm generally eating in the press box. The press box food is shut down for the postseason. They give us a uh, a little card That's right. that allows us a credit to go. And I had I bought a, a piece of pizza early in the day. And then I had like $15 left on the card. So midway through the game, I went for a mid-game snack, and I was trying to find something where I could use the entire $15 that I had left on my card. I'm like, I'm at a ballpark. There's clearly going to be some type of food item that cost $15 that I want to like. I had a hard time. I ended up getting like the, the 6 or $7 pretzel, and I just I left a few bucks on the card, and I just got to live with that. But I'm going to tell you what. The next time I come and I get that card, I've got to check out this ice cream with yeah. Luke and see what the, how much it is. I'm an ice cream guy. I'm going to have to check out. That was a good call in, Luke. I, I've never known that being that expensive – uh, but I am an ice cream guy, and uh, I will check that out. Let's grab some. Uh, again, if you want to join us, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program, at Matt Pauly on air. Nancy Antosa says, Rowdy gets the player of the game for me. Heads up, double play, and the only run of the game. Yeah, he, I think you obviously look to the pitching and what they were able to do today, but from an offensive, uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, yeah, this is uh, what and the and defensive. I mean, from a position player standpoint, that's what I'm trying to say. Clearly, nobody had a bigger impact on this game. You know, Matt, that's what postseason is all about. And, you know, we've talked about it so many times in, in games during the season. You have guys step up and, and have a great ball game. And during the postseason, you look for who's going to be that special guy that's going to make that special play defensively or is going to make that big pitch on the mound or who's going to come up with the big hit. And it always comes up to be maybe not the guy that you expect, but a guy who's contributed throughout the year. And I'm going to tell you, Rowdy today was fantastic. That play in the first, I, I, th- I really believe it saved him a run mm-hmm. oh, in did. that first inning. And the, the home run, that fastball on the inside part of the plate, Morton was throwing the ball very well, pulled his hands in, really put a good swing, and hit the ball out of ballpark. Marion Williams-Bay says, one of the great things about this team is the number of different players that step up. Who knows who it will be tomorrow? Yeah, when we look back on this, especially if the Brewers end up winning the series, when we look back on this, we're going to remember this. This as the Rowdy Telez game. You know, you go back to like the Rocky series a few years ago, there was the game that Moustakis had the walk off hit. That's, that's the right. Moustakis game. Like, you just, you remember those, and that's the Brewers have really always been built this way uh, in the David Stearns era where there's so many different guys who can contribute day in and day out. And it's so neat when you get guys, you get like Vogelbach and you get like Rowdy, they become fan favorites, and our fans today were fantastic. The waving, waving, waving of the towels, it was just a special place and uh, just to be inside the stadium and see how much energy there was and when the Brewers took the lead it was just just unbelievable how loud they got but Rowdy today had a great day and I'll tell you what you got to give him the game ball he he had a a great day and uh, really had 
two good things that he did very, very well to help the Brewers win. Back to the phones. Ryan, who evidently is still in the parking lot outside. I don't know. Like, I can't see the I, – I, yeah, I guess there's some lights out there. Ryan, Joy, is there still a line to get out of here right now? Yeah, it's pretty tough. We're almost out, but it's been a long time. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed the program. Thank you for listening. What, what do you got uh, for us? So I know we were talking about – you guys were talking about how our pitching and defense were great today. Um Hayden was a little tough, so I was just wondering, like, what do you guys think about maybe uh, like having a little switch up with, like, put Luis in maybe for Eduardo? I don't know, something just get the offense a little spark. Yeah, it's a. I, I don't know. Like, it, it's it's one game. They haven't played for four days. Really appreciate the phone call. Um, you're going against a lefty tomorrow, so Escobar's going to be in there. Like, that's the first thing to say. Uh, Escobar's going to be at first, and Urias is going to be at third. And I know there's going to be people who see the lineup tomorrow, and Rowdy Telez isn't going to be in it, and they're going to say, what are you doing? Telez is the one guy that got your runs yesterday. Why is that? Well, you do that because of the matchups, and that's why they got Eduardo Escobar. You got Escobar to be able to play him at first base, and then you have Urias in, in those situations. So that's that's one thing. There's people talking about Tyrone Taylor maybe getting inserted into the outfield. Do you give him uh, an opportunity? Or I think it's a little early for that. I still feel like it's going to be uh, Garcia, Kane, and Yelich in the lineup. But if, if Yelich didn't didn't look fantastic today, if at some point you do want to make a change, uh, Taylor somebody that you can put in there but it's one game they haven't played in four days and they won so i don't think there's any knee-jerk reactions needed yeah and i think when you when you talk about the, the what they have done throughout the season how they have played against certain pitchers uh, i think craig understands what he wants to do with this lineup and there'll be some changes tomorrow you're gonna you'll see you'll see probably see escobar at first and and you know and you're just at third base I, that's something that's been pretty constant and you know you might even see jace peterson like you just said in in the outfield those are things that that could happen but they've been very consistent and one thing that this team has done it's one because everybody contributes and that's the way Craig has managed his team and I don't think he'll change and I think you're going to see some a little bit of a different lineup but one that he feels that can go out and beat the the, the Atlanta pitcher which Freed which is throwing the ball very very well Jesse is in the parking lot as well it's a parking lot party right now hey Jesse you're on WTMJ hey how's it going Good. Yeah, we're still stuck in the parking lot, but you know the Brewers are turning up the heat, and uh, I think Rowdy did a great job today. Uh, one of the things you guys were talking about is how we kind of plug in new players, and I just kind of want to get your thought on that. Of you know, every every game somebody kind of steps up and, and you know is the hero of the game, and uh, Rowdy was tonight, Hater was tonight, and uh, what do you think about that? Yeah. Appreciate the phone call, Jesse. It's something that even beyond just the game, uh, Will Salmon from The Athletic wrote a piece this past week, which was really good. He talked to different players and talked to them about what it's like to be managed by Craig Council, specifically when it comes to communication. And he talked with Keston Hira, and a lot of the communication with Keston Hira this year wasn't good. It was, we're sending you down, you're not doing It's amazing, even guys who are receiving negative messages in the sense that bad things were happening with them, talked about how much they enjoyed 
uh, the way they are communicated with. And they talked with Hunter Strickland. And Strickland's a guy who comes in midseason. That's always a tough thing to do, right? Like, yeah. it, it's not you just walk into a clubhouse, there's an established group there, and all of a sudden you got to find your way in. And in some organizations, that's a really, really challenging thing to do. And bluntly, players are just hoping to get to spring training because then it can kind of, you press the reset button at that point. I think there's some connection to how good the Brewers are at assimilating everybody in to being part of the core right away as it is with guys can contribute. And it just it's it's a group, it's a team. They're all pulling in the same direction and it starts the, the day a guy walks in for the first time. Well I think it, and it started way back when when Craig took over uh, what he what the type of what he wanted to do with this bulk of the culture he wanted to do. One of the first statements he made is you have to be a good teammate. It's not only you have to make get better to make the team better, but you have to be a good teammate. And I, I think he understands that from his career and what he had gone through and all the success that he had as a player, he understands that you're gonna have highs and lows. You're gonna have new players, you're gonna have and but it's that culture that you have in that clubhouse, the the getting along, the each guy pulling for each other, and each guy has an importance, whether you're here in Milwaukee or you're down in AAA and you could be called up at any time. Everybody has their importance. They said they were going to use a lot of players. I believe they used 61 players this year, and it really paid off because everybody understood they were going to be a part of this this culture, of this ball club that was going to do something special, and they're still doing it today. Clinton tweeting into the program. He says, I get it. A win is a win. But how concerning is the lack of offensive production? Just curious. If our pitching matches the struggles of our offense, what do you think are the odds? Uh, so, first off, I think the four days has something to do with it. It's it, And I know how they played coming out of the All-Star break this year against Cincinnati. But it's just I think it's hard to ramp up after four days. We can't totally ignore the fact that that this team was struggling offensively late in the year, and they might be bringing some of that along with them. I, I don't know for sure. You, you faced a righty today. You face a lefty tomorrow. They haven't as been as good against lefties uh, this year. I guess even if they struggle offensively tomorrow, I'm not in panic mode. Uh, if, they, if they struggle against Ian Anderson in game number three, if they struggle tomorrow and against Ian Anderson, if it's three straight days of – not very good offense. At the, that's kind of the point where I go, okay, this is this is turning into something. There's enough data here. There's enough substance here that maybe you need to go ahead and take a look at it. In the same vein, the, you see a lot of low-scoring games in the playoffs. That's just the way it is. And I know we're not seeing it this year. Uh, there's been uh, in the American League wildcard game, not so much the National League wildcard game, and then in the ALDSs yesterday, and even what we've seen today so far, there's a lot of big numbers on the board, but that that's not really the way generally it works. More often than not in the postseason, you see low scoring outputs. Yeah, and you you well, you got to look at the pitching staffs. You look at what Charlie Morton has done. He was, since he went he went over to Houston, his career has changed. And you look at what he does. I believe he's like number one and two in in Major League Baseball of striking out guys with that good breaking ball. And today he had a master. He mastered the curveball. And he mastered the location with his fastball. I was really appreciative as a former pitcher watching Corbin Burns after the second inning going into the mid-second inning and and the way Charlie Morton pitched it was it was incredible how they were locating the spots pitching inside and out up and down really making good pitches when they
they needed to. And and I'll tell you what, you get to the postseason and you get that number one guy out there and he's got his stuff, he can make it awful tough. And I thought Charlie Morton pitched a very, very good ball game. I thought after the second inning, I thought Corbin was excellent. Yeah, he was. And he didn't the one issue uh, especially early on in those first two innings, he just wasn't getting his cutter across for strikes. And his cutter is his go-to pitch. And to his credit, he was able to go to some other pitches. And that's what good pitchers do. That's what you know differentiates between a pitcher and a thrower. Something's not working. You continue to use it a little bit to try to get it working. And he eventually did. The cutter was fine from the third inning on. Uh, but that cutter was not working. How many pitchers out there, if their best pitch isn't working, still throws two shutout innings to get things started. It's just amazing. I thought the, the pitch he made, the LBs that uh, that Rowdy made the good play on, was an excellent pitch. It was a slider, a cutter, down and in. He had nothing he could do but hit that ball on the ground. And The one thing that, that I really, really opened my eyes to see that he was back and really had his good command, he started the third inning. He, he faced a pitcher, Charlie Morton, and instead of, you know, you're facing a pitcher, I'm going to give him a good fastball, throw it right by him, throw 97 miles an hour. I'm going to throw it didn't do that. He actually threw him two sliders and a good breaking ball to strike him out. Right then, you could see that Navarro would say, just give him a little check, saying, hey, let's see how that slider is. Let's see how that breaking ball is. He had it then, and from that at that time on, he was excellent. 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like to back to the phones. Bo from Eagle. Hey, Bo, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hey, you're on the air. Go ahead, Bo. Um, so I thought the Brewers did pretty good. I think their bullpen and Corbin did pretty good for starting. Uh, he struggled in the beginning, but after the second inning, he went by and he pitched pretty good. After that, I think the hitters need to um, just pick up, pick up a little bit, and do like a refresh there for tomorrow. All right, Bo, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and uh, your parents need to give you a raise in your allowance as well. That's what we're doing today. If a kid calls, your parents have to give you a raise in the allowance. Uh, but to to uh, to Bo's point, the I I loved the bullpen usage today. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I just it it opens up doors because the fact that you didn't use Ashby, you didn't use Boxberger, that really sets you up for tomorrow. And again, I just. I think with Devin, the, the, the elephant in the room is Devin Williams isn't available to cover the eighth inning. So if he's not available to cover the eighth inning, that means you need to find new and creative ways to get to the ninth inning. And when it comes to new and creative, there's nobody better at doing it when it comes to pitching than Craig Council. And whether that's a scenario like we saw today where Hauser's going to give you a couple innings, uh, whether there's a scenario later on in the series where maybe a bullpen pitcher starts the game and gives you two, and then you go to the quote-unquote starter and they give you five or six. and Because that, that's one way to do it. If, you, if you're in a position where some of your high-leverage relievers are not going to be available, well, the first and second innings aren't high leverage. So there's going to be guys out there that you feel a whole lot more comfortable pitching the first or second inning than you do them pitching the seventh or eighth. So you go give that first, second inning to somebody and then let the conventional starter come in after that. I'm not saying for sure that they're going to do that. I'm just saying 
I think inside of the manager's office, as they sit down, he and his staff, David Stearns, Matt Arnold, as they're plotting everything out, I think they're saying the question that they're asking on an everyday basis is, what avenue can we use to, if we have the lead, to secure it all the way into the ninth inning when we go to Hater? I thought it was excellent what they, what they did today and how to use it. Now, a little bit difference might have changed if they would have had to bring somebody in mid-inning. I think if they would have had to bring somebody in mid-inning, you probably would have saw Hunter, uh, Hunter Strickland come in the ballgame to get. He's that out guy. He's mm-hmm. that closer for the starter. But what set them up perfectly is Corbin Burns going that six innings and now allowing Adrian Hauser to come out have that fresh start of a fresh inning. He came in, not only gave him the one inning, but gave him the two innings. And the, the second inning, we saw it in that bullpen. What did they have? They had Freddie Peralta up along with with, with uh, Aaron Ashby. And Ashby was probably there to face the lefty. And if it got past there and they got to Duvall and some of these guys, you could bring in Freddie to face those guys. But I thought it worked out really good for the Brewers that they were able to start Adrian Hauser fresh in an inning, and I just thought he did an excellent job. We're taking you till 9 o'clock tonight. We'll take a break, and then we'll get to the news. So uh, a two-minute break and then news, and then we're back with more after that. Don't go anywhere. We're taking you till 9 o'clock. We'll still go back through the game with the highlights. We'll still hear from manager Craig Council. We'll still hear from you on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. So a break, the news, and then we're back after that here on WTMJ. Burns is ready. One, two. A 2-1 win for the Brewers over the Braves in Game 1 of the NLDS. Welcome back in. It is Brewers Extra Innings. We are live at American Family Field. My name is Matt Pauley. Former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine is here. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Jeff in Milwaukee uh, text in. He says, so this probably gets overlooked because it's not in the box score, but how about Omar Nervaez saving those two wild pitches in the ninth that would have tied the game? I remember a lot was said about his defensive ability when he came over here, but I think this year he has really demonstrated how good he can be behind the plate. You know, Augie, it was an interesting day defensively for Nervaez because in the first inning he had a couple mistakes, and then we we give a ton of credit to Rowdy Telez on that double play, but Narvaez is the guy that was able to get it out of the dirt and apply the tag. So it's like he had two bad defensive plays and one good defensive play. And then I think the, the text from Jeff is totally correct. Um, he's been really, really good defensively this year. His pitch framing has been fantastic. He's still not the best receiver in the world, but... I, it never has felt like he's costing you a game with his defense, and more often than not, he has been, at, at the very least, an above-average defensive catcher. Yeah, he's worked really hard at, at blocking the ball, and he's done a really nice job. I thought on the play where Tellis threw the ball, that's a tough play. You don't know if it's going to skip hop or short hop, and I thought what he did, he got his body down in a position where the ball couldn't get by him, where he could make a nice play. That's an extremely 
difficult play for a catcher from where the ball is coming from to make that play. I thought getting down the same level as the ball, he made a nice play and then was able to go go over and, and, and take Salar out. But uh, he has been so good behind the plate. And I think one area that he's improved in has been the, the defensive part of it, blocking baseballs and getting in front of them. But his throwing arm, he's throwing the ball very well this year, improving. And I think that's one thing coming over. Not only did he want to prove to Milwaukee that he could swing the bat and, and do a good good job on the offensive side, but defensive side was so important. And he's been really good with our pitchers just calling calling games. Mike in Colorado texting in. He says that was fun, but not that much fun. Woo! Hats off to the crew. The defense was good, but they sure looked rusty at the plate. He goes on to say, so why do they pinch run Jackie Bradley Jr. and then don't bunt him over or send him to steal second or try to hit and run? Morton was struggling, and their impatience hurt that choice. I'm scratching my head on the analytics on that choice. So we'll start with the bunt, because three things were listed. First off, you're never going to bunt in that situation because you got Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, and Christian Yelich That's coming right. to the plate. Those are three guys that you are absolutely not going to take the bat uh, out of their hands. The Brewers don't hit and run. I like teams that hit and run. The Brewers just really don't do it. We, we can have a discussion on whether they should do it more or not, but that's probably not a postseason discussion. That's probably a regular season discussion. I know they're, not try, they're trying to not run themselves into outs, and that's why they don't do it that much, and not many teams in baseball really do. I like teams that do it. Uh, they don't do it. So then that brings up st- trying to steal a base there with JBJ, and bluntly I'm surprised that they didn't do that, attempt that more. Morden is not very good against base runners. To me, that's the way you get a runner in scoring position. You try to steal a bag. So I say no to the bunt. It's a non-starter on a hit and run because they don't do it. But I think the the idea of maybe trying to steal a bag there would have made some sense. Well, I think Morton made some adjustments there. He threw over there a lot. He changes tempo and the way he went to the plate. And I think everything goes is, is on timing. It's the pitch, the time that the pitch comes to the plate, and then you already know what the catcher's throw is the second base. So I just think in, in that situation, it just didn't blend itself. But I think another reason you pinch it there, if that ball's hitting the gap or that ball's hitting certain situations, I'll tell you, JBJ is fast, and he runs mm-hmm. the bases extremely well, understands what he has to do. I think that was part of it, not only to get him in the game, and if you get that opportunity to get that extra steal of base, take advantage of that, which they didn't, didn't, weren't able to. But I tell you, a ball hitting the gap, ball hit to the outfield, he can take that extra base. He runs the bases very yeah, well. Yeah, JBJ scores from first on a double. Yes, he does. Scores from first on a double, and that goes into it as well. 855-616-1620, the Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. More callers on hold. We'll get to you. We continue to break down all aspects of the Brewers and their win today over the Braves. Back with more in a moment on WTMJ. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. Burns throws. Struck him out swinging with a cutter. Inning over. Burns with a couple of strikeouts. We remain nothing, nothing as we go to the bottom of the third. Annex Wealth Management is a proud sponsor of Brew October. It's time to know the difference. If you're ready to put things in order, so are they. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning as a local independent partner. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine here. We've got you for another 45 minutes or so, taking you till 9 o'clock, still in American Family Field, where things have uh, settled down. The, the, the field looks very... P 
peaceful and serene right now. Are it you? is a little bit different than it yeah. was a, an hour or two ago, but uh, they've done just a great, great job. You walk in a ballpark and you see 2021 postseason, the little bit the claws up above the dugouts uh, and the brew emblem behind. Uh, they have done an excellent job. This field is in excellent shape, and uh, I'll tell you what, a couple hours ago, it was a lot of fun to be here. Let's go to Steve in Menominee Falls, who's giving us a call. Hey, Steve, you're on WTMJ. How you doing? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I just want to congratulate the Brewers on a great win, and um, just uh, want to mention how much I'm enjoying these late afternoon starts. And um, I was just looking up Monday's start, and it's a 12:07. Um, why do you think we're so early on a Monday? That's going to make make it difficult for the fans. Yeah, so everything is determined by TV. Certainly appreciate the phone call. So right now it's 12.07, but that could change. So if either of the ALDS series end in three, uh, and right now Boston leads Tampa Bay 8-5, if Boston wins that game, that series would go 1-1, so that could not end in three. If uh, if Houston and Chicago uh, play on Sunday, and if Houston wins that game and sweeps that series, the Brewers then would move back to this late afternoon slot to 3 o'clock or so. Basically, there's there's four potential games on Monday, and all of the broadcast partners, they pay a lot of money, so you're not going to put on games at the same time. You're not going to start four games at 3 o'clock or four, you know, two games at 3 and two games at 7. You taper the starts, and that allows the, uh, the broadcast networks to get the most amount of viewers. So it's a long answer to basically say TV runs the world. <laughs> I'll tell you, you're, you're really dialed in when you talk about the playoff scenario coming into the Dodgers series. Uh, you, you had it down to a, you, I mean, it's to a microscope, but you had it perfectly well the way you described it. And now with the TV, you're just dead on. I don't know how you do that, but you do a really good job. I, uh, I can't remember uh, what I had for dinner last night, but I can I can tell you the playoff scenarios. There you go. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brian in Shorewood texting in says, Great win. This one easily could have gone the other way. Do you think Hauser would have come back out for the ninth if he didn't give up the home run in the eighth? He was rolling until the home run. I don't. Josh Hader's your ninth inning guy. He's the man. You get to the ninth, and he's your closer, and that's the way it's going to work. And, you know, everything is talked about. Maybe Josh will go a little extra in the playoffs. They want to keep Josh right where he's at. He's been so successful. I think it's now it's 22 straight appearances where he hasn't given up a run. And I, I tell you, he's on a roll. He's throwing the ball very well. And I thought he pitched very well today, making good pitches when he had to. If... <laughs> If Craig Council would not have gone to Hayter, if they would have left Hauser oh in, and the Brewers would have ended up doing uh, losing the game, oh. Augie, I would have handed you these headsets, <laughs> given you a hearty pat on the back, and said, enjoy doing this Take show tonight. Over. I'm, I'm going to go home and have a beer. That's just not going to happen. You have a... Golly, Josh, it's just not going to happen, and I don't think I don't think uh, Craig had to even call out to the bullpen. I think Josh was just ready. That is never going to happen. Eric uh, tweets into the program says, "Is any team in baseball better built for the World Series than the Crew? Three aces, the best closer in the game, great defense. We're going all the way, baby." Says uh, says Eric. Um, here's the thing. So uh, we were talking about this on the Brew October Nightly Show that we uh, that we do from six to seven. I I see World Series paths for all four National League teams. I don't say that very often. Like in the American League, bluntly, I don't see a World Series path, path for Boston. 
Now, I really don't now for the White Sox. I kind of did uh, mm-hmm. before they lost the first two. So I guess I could have seen a scenario where three of the American League. So let's say it's something that you get to the divisional series, and to me, seven of the eight teams had legitimate World Series chances. This is a really good Braves team, and they, they are a legitimate World Series contender. And I say the same thing about the Dodgers, and I say the same thing about the Giants. So when you talk, you know, the Dodgers are built for the World Series in a different way than the Brewers are built, in a different way than the Giants are built, in a different way than the Braves are built. They're very, they're, they're four unique teams. There's not a whole lot of similarities. In some ways, I guess the Braves and Dodgers are kind of similar with what they can do uh, with their lineups, but there's just, there's a lot of differences when you look at these four teams, and if, if, you've, if you're the hot team, if you get the bounces, if you get a little bit lucky, because you gotta, you got to get some breaks in there. you got to get a little lucky occasionally. That double play today, there's a little luck involved. Omar Nervaez being able to wrangle that ball in, that's, there, there's skill, but there's a little bit of luck involved in that as well. So I don't know if I've answered his question, but the point is, I really think the Brewers can be a World Series team, but I think the other three teams in the National League can too. I agree with you. I think when you look in this National League, all the teams that are involved right now, those four teams are anyone can win it. And like you said, it's just a matter of who gets hot. They all have their special qualities. I really like the way the Brewers are built. It's that versatility. It's when you talk about putting together a team, and Dave Stearns and Matt Arnold put that team together and get the players here, and then Craig Council masterfully puts these guys together, gets them all playing, and it's the help of the coaches. Everybody chips in, everybody understands it, and the players understand it. I'll tell you what, I, I like the team, this team where it's built, the versatility. We saw that today by by going with the starter. We're going with, with Adrian Hauser, and you look in the bullpen, and you got a Freddie Peralta warming up. So these things all take place. They're all important. Everybody's got their job. Everybody knows it. I really like the way the Brewers are built, though. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can call. You can text. You can also tweet at Matt Pauley on air. Brewers win over the Braves 2-1. We'll t- continue to take your phone calls, your text messages, and your tweets, and we'll also start looking ahead to game number two, which is coming up tomorrow afternoon here at American Family Field. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Bowser's 1-0. Swing and a bouncer into the shift. Eduardo Escobar has it. Flips to first. It's a 1-2-3 inning on three ground ball outs from Adrian Hauser. Time to stretch. Middle of the order scheduled in the seventh. Nothing, nothing. Brewers get the 2-1 win over the Atlanta Braves. They take a 1-0 series lead in the NLDS. The other NLDS will get underway tonight. Dodgers and Giants. And uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be fun to watch. A great ri- you always enjoy when rivals are able to play in the postseason. We saw it with the Yankees and Red Sox in the wild card game. We're seeing it with the Dodgers and Giants uh, tonight when those great rivals get to match up uh, in the postseason. And in many ways, there's something special about Brewers Braves because I'll tell you what. There's a lot of uh, Milwaukee baseball fans, especially Milwaukee baseball fans who are a little bit older, who really do not like the Braves and have not forgotten them leaving this city. I remember the Braves leaving. I, I can remember it because I can I can say Mac Jones in left and Billy Bruton in center and Henry Aaron in right, and then you look at the infield. Got got Eddie Matthews and Johnny Logan and Red Shandies and Joe Edcock and Del Crandall behind the plate. That's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And when they left Milwaukee and went to Atlanta, I was crushed. And I actually became a little bit of a Cub fan for a little while. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I really did. I did. 
until the Brave Brews came back in 70. I had a shift there. I couldn't, I just couldn't go with the Braves, but I always did like them. And they, the Braves were just, uh, they were, they were my idols. I got to meet a lot of those guys and, and that's always what makes it even more fun. I don't know if we can continue on after. Wow, I'm I'm emotional about it here. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Doug texting in says uh, that was too close for comfort. Are they all going to be like this? Probably. They have to score a few more runs to take off, uh, take the pressure off pitchers. If they beat Freed tomorrow, it's over. That's the important one. Put Taylor in the lineup. He gives some spark. Uh, I'm. I like Tyrone Taylor. I'm a fan of his. I, I, he's going to play a big role in this postseason at some point in time. But we talked about this earlier. To me, you don't you don't panic. The lineup's going to look a little bit different tomorrow because you are facing a lefty, so that gives you an opportunity to do some things. But you don't make wholesale changes because you only scored two runs one night. You know, I when the season when this. Uh, postseason series started with the brave with the Braves and, and the Brewers. I thought a big part of this series was going to be how well the Brewers offense can handle the the Braves bullpen. I thought that was going to be incredible. I thought the the Brewers were going to be fine. They have the great starters. Their bullpen's pretty well set. They're going to be okay. But I really thought a big part of it was going to be their starter. The first two starters for Atlanta are pretty good. When you talk about Morton and Freed, it was going to be when you get to that bullpen. Can the Brewers do what they have done the second half of the season? Really put some runs on the board late in the ball game. And I think that's what we may see tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. And I still believe that the Brewers Brewers have to step up and, and really put the pressure on. They've showed it that they can do it all year long. Tomorrow is going to be one of those days. Max Freed goes tomorrow. And Freed's been good. 14-7, 3.04 ERA. We've talked a lot about the fact that the Brewers, from a win-loss perspective, has not, have not been as good against lefties. This year, in games started by right-handers, they're 75-48. and 48. In games where they face a left-handed starter, they're just 20-19. and 19. They were better against lefties down the stretch of the season. Those numbers got a little bit better, but the numbers are what the numbers are. Freed is a tough customer. You've got Brandon Woodruff on the mound. Brewers haven't scored a lot of runs for Woodruff this year. That's why, despite having it, I still look at this thing. 2.56 ERA with a 9 and 10 record is one of the stupidest things you're ever going to see. Uh, but that's just, it, it tells you how few runs he got this year. Yeah, Woody's a warrior. He goes out there, he's going to give you everything he's got. You know, he can reach back and get that little extra with his fastball. But I think he ended last time out, I, I really liked the way he pitched and he started using his off speed stuff, started using that changeup and that good slider that he does have. Important, he commands a fastball and that he gets ahead of hitters early in counts. That's going to be very important, but I'll tell you, Freed has been throwing the ball very well. I watched him his last start where I thought he threw the ball fairly decent his last several starts, so it's going to be interesting. He's got a good fastball, good break ball, he changes speeds pretty well, and it's again, it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be close early, uh, and it's just going to be about can that Brewer offense Put some pressure on Freed and get some guys on base and score some runs. So his ERA in August, Augie, was 1.36. He was fantastic. The time I saw him, great breaking ball, commanded a fa- command, good command with the fastball. His ERA in September. So August, 1.36. That's right. September goes up a little bit. All the way, 
to 1.54. Yeah, he's been really good. He's he's one of those guys, he comes over the top, he's got a good breaking ball, he locates, got a little bit of a cut fastball, he sinks the ball a little bit, and he's got a good changeup. And uh, he's one of those guys who can, he can pitch down the count, but he'll get the ball, and he's like like we see out of Woody, and we see it a little bit out of Corbin Burns. They get ahead in the count, Josh Hader, they can elevate that ball, and he's been successful at it. He's a, he's a tough customer, and he's been throwing the ball very well. In his final 12 starts of the year, so this is not a small sample size in his final 12 starts of the year he goes seven and one with a 1.56 era over 81 innings he only gives up 14 earned runs on 53 hits 73 strikeouts and 11 walks he had a batting average against of 185. Yeah, early in the season he struggled. It looked, I looked, I think he started a little bit with his command, but he is the kind of guy when he gets ahead and he's got that good command, getting ahead with that good fastball and breaking ball that he does have. He's going to be tough to beat, and he's going to be a guy, a guy that when you get guys on base, you're going to have to do those little things: get them on, get them over, and get them in. We can do that a couple of times, apply some pressure. We'll be in pretty good shape. Two one Brewers get the win over the Atlanta Braves. They have a one zero series lead in the National League Division Series. When we come back, the post-game comments of manager Craig Council. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Big swing and a bouncer. Hit to Escobar. The long, strong throw. Got him, and the inning is over. 2-1. to one. Brewers get the win over the Braves. The storyline here, Rowdy Telez, a monster two-run home run in the seventh inning. A double play turned in the first inning uh, that Rowdy Telez was right in the middle of. You get six scoreless from Corbin Burns. You get two strong innings from Adrian Hauser. He does give up a run, but he still he pitches well in those two innings. And then Josh Hader closes it out, and he gets the final out against a former Brewer and a Brewer who, in his time with the team, had a flair for the dramatic in Orlando Arcia. There's your talking points of the way this one went down today. My name is Matt Pauley, continuing to come your way from American Family Field. A really fun afternoon. Manager Craig Council, he uh, spoke with the media just a little while ago. He opened up by uh, talking about that double play that was turned there in the first inning. Yeah, it was the play of the game, I think. Um, you saw it gave Corbin just uh, just life because it, it was going to be a tough first inning. The, the first two guys um, gave him uh, great at-bats, uh, just tough at-bats, as, as you'd expect. Uh, he, I thought he made pitches. He just, just they're tough at bats, right? And so um, it was a big play, no question about it. Um, heads up play. It was an incredible play by Omar. Uh, you know, tough hop, catch, runner coming, tag. All of it was as good as it gets. Andrew, Craig, you've talked to you so much about Robbie's offense this year. Part of the reason we picked him up, but he's been really steady over there at first base, kind of, kind of quietly. He's been really good around the bag. Uh, he's, he's picked several throws. Um, you know, a play like that, it, it is. It's an instinctual play. It's it's just it's not a play you can practice. It's just an instinctual play that uh, you, you know the runner might be going, and you you take a shot at it. Uh, for Roddy to miss some time down the stretch and to kind of slot back in pretty seamlessly, just your impression within able to do that, and I got some that fast down the stretch, but. He got, you know, when he got injured in September in Cleveland, um, you know, we were, it was a tight timetable. We knew it was going to be tight. Um, we were fortunate that, 
you know, he got himself healthy. The training staff did a heck of a job, and we were able to get him on the field the last week of the season. I thought that was critical for this. Um, he ended up getting, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 13, 15 plate appearances. Um, got locked in pretty fast, um, and I, I thought it gave. I think it just gave him confidence going into this, going into the series. Craig, Orlando had a lot of big hits for you in the playoffs in previous years. Were you at all nervous to see him come up there with the, with the game on the line? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly ironic for sure that he was that he was the hitter, um, and, and you know he knew he was going to put the ball in play. I was confident, you know, he's going to put the ball in play. But Josh made some good pitches to get ahead of him and put him on the defensive a little bit more. So Omar, Omar, I want to mention Omar Narvaez in addition to the to play at the plate. Omar did a fabulous job tonight, um, calling the game. The block of the slider in the ninth on Hader, um, absolutely fabulous game. That's manager Craig Council speaking with the media just a little while ago. We've talked a lot about uh, Rowdy Telez and what he did and the double play, uh, the home run, and uh, he spoke with the media after the game. He uh, specifically did talk about uh, just the, the home run and how amazing of a moment that was. They always talk about blacking out or being unconscious, um, and that's kind of what it was. You know, I just I had that moment. As soon as it left the bat, I knew, and uh, I kind of did the Weecho blackout and <laughs> just flipped the bat and started jogging, and it was cool, man. It's crazy, um, you know, getting a standing ovation here in a, a whole full stadium. Change your name—that's a, a, a special feeling. That's really cool. I, that's what he remembers for the rest of his life. He was a sold-out American Family Field, chanting his name, and he gets to do the curtain call. There was one other part about uh, that home run as well that uh, he relayed. This is kind of interesting. It has to do with the bat that he used. I don't even know if I broke that bat. I just saw something fly off of it. Then I was like, you know, I, I need all the help I can get right now. And um, so I walked back, and the bat boy didn't even realize. And I kind of just collected my breath and calmed myself down and got back in the box. And I said, keep my foot down um, and just see a pitch and hit the ball hard. That's all I want to do. Um, you know, Charlie did throw a great game, punched a lot of us out, had good stuff. And um, I just he made one mistake, and, and we were able to get to him, you know. Uh, he hit Avi, and, and that allowed us to have a runner on with nobody out, and that kind of that takes pressure off of people, and that adds pressure to the pitcher. So, um, you know, I I still kind of really breathe. I mean, it's still a lot of breath. It's it was a it was a crazy moment, but you know, we we played good all the way around. That's Brewers baseball. Fans are back. That's awesome to have fans back. You know, we have such a uh, strong fan base. So, you know, we can't say thank you enough to them. That's his own wonder boy, right? If we're going to uh, look back at the natural, the fact that he went and got a new bat before hitting that home run, shades of the natural and wonder boy. Although I guess it's the opposite because in the natural, wonder boy gets broken, and then spoiler alert, the uh, the home run is hit with a uh, with a different bat. But you you get where I'm going with with that. Brewers get a win. They knock off Atlanta by a two one score. This is Brewers extra innings. All right, you've been waiting for it. Let's go back through this very exciting game with all the highlights. We do that next. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Brewers get a 2-1 to win over the Atlanta Braves today. 
You know, I was thinking this game lasted three hours. The uh, the breaks are longer during playoff games. They're they're I think they're thirty seconds longer, and then there's other things that are going on. Had this game been played in the regular season, this probably would have been like a two hour thirty five, two hour forty, maybe two forty five at the very longest. This game this game chugged along at a pretty good pace. Obviously, a pretty uh, low scoring contest. Also, one other note: a lot of playoff action going on. If uh, when the Brewers are not playing, if you're ever looking for uh, the uh, broadcast of uh, some of these other playoff games, you can always find it on our uh, sister stations, 94.5 ESPN, 540 ESPN as well. So just uh, keep that in the back of your mind if you want to keep up to date on what's going on in the Major League postseason. We'll tell you what all happened today. The first game of the day in Houston, the Astros, they knock off the White Sox by a 9-4 score. So a little bit of a surprise right there. Houston's good, but they now lead that series against the White Sox 2-0. Tomorrow is an off day in that series. They will be in Chicago coming up on Sunday, and the White Sox are going to be playing for their playoff lives. If they can't win at home on Sunday, then they are going to be done, and the Astros will have swept through the White Sox. Also, um, the uh, the other two games today are in action right now. They are through seven uh, down in St. Petersburg, where the Boston Red Sox lead the Tampa Bay Rays by a 9-6 score. So uh, the Rays lead that series 1-0. If the Red Sox can hold on, uh, they would tie up that series at one game apiece. And then they uh, just got underway a little while ago in San Francisco where the Giants are uh, leading the Dodgers already by a 2 nothing score. I would rather the Brewers play the Giants than the Dodgers in the NLCS. I just think from a matchup perspective, I think the Brewers match up against the Giants better than they match up against the Dodgers. That doesn't mean that the, the Brewers can't lose to the Giants, and it doesn't mean that the Brewers can't beat the Dodgers. I just think that the matchup, I would rather see the Giants than the Dodgers in the NLCS if the Brewers are able to get that far. So uh, I, that's to me, that is a good result so far. Giants leading the Dodgers by a 2 nothing score. The American League will take tomorrow off. National League will get back at it. So game two of Dodgers-Giants coming up tomorrow, and that's going to match up Julio Arias getting the start for the Dodgers, and Kevin Gaussman's going to get the start uh, for the Giants. So that's the pitching matchup uh, in the other NLDS game number two. In our game two uh, coming up tomorrow, it's going to be Brandon Woodruff on the mound for the Brewers. Woodruff in the regular season was 9-10 and with a 2.56 ERA. And then uh, Max Fried, a left-hander who was really good this year for the Braves, 14-7, a 3.04 ERA. He had about a 1.5 ERA over the final two months of the season. He'll get the start for Atlanta. 4.07 first pitch, so we will have a Brewers warm-up beginning at 3 o'clock tomorrow here from American Family Field. I will have you for that. Then we'll get into the uh, network broadcast with Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering, and then myself and uh, Craig Kishon. We will have you for Brewers extra innings after the game. Brewers, uh, they come up with a win today. 2-1 the final score. They have a 1-0 series lead. Look forward to talking to you coming up tomorrow at 3 o'clock from our Brewers baseball here on WTMJ.